0: The following conversation originally aired on The Point on KPOV 88.9 FM High Desert Community Radio in Bend, Oregon. Airing weekdays at 9 a.m., The Point is a half-hour locally produced show focusing on people and events in central Oregon.
1: Hi, Sarah. It's great to be with you today. Hi, Carolyn. Likewise. Great to
0: see you. Thanks for having me. Sarah Worthington, you and I have had the opportunity to talk many times over the years because you were the person who was in charge of all of the classes that people were taking for preventing type two diabetes. But now you are in a whole new capacity with Deschutes County Health Services. And I thought it would be great to start educating people about this new aspect of what you're doing for the county
1: and for people here in in Bend and the central Oregon area. Thanks, Carolyn. Yes, it has been an exciting time for me because I have taken on a new position with Deschutes County, but it is, I should emphasize, uh, a regional position. Previously, I was a coordinator for the the diabetes prevention programs for the Central Oregon Tri-County, and now I am also serving the Tri-County, Jefferson, Crook, and Deschutes County. But my focus is now on environmental hazards related to climate change effects. And so developing plans and supporting programs that help to increase people's resiliency and ability to adapt to some of the effects of climate change that really impact our health. So as such, you know, examples of things that I'm looking at are the effects of drought, the effects of vector borne diseases, the increasing range of extreme heat events, extreme winter events. And of course, right now, the focus that we have is on the potential for smoke from wildfires and potentially wildfires themselves affecting our immediate area and leading to evacuations. Part of my role is to support our emergency preparedness coordinator in the event that we do have some kind of an urgent situation. So it's kind of a broad set of metrics and my scope of work is still in development but it's an exciting position and it feels very important and I feel fortunate to be serving the community this way. Yes and your position now is called climate and health
0: coordinator so it it really does fall into that area of of protecting people's health just like you did before with the preventing di- type 2 diabetes classes. Mm-hmm. And so now it's just it's a whole different thing. I'm going to digress for just a minute. Would you give me a definition for what vector-borne illnesses are? That's a new term for me.
1: Oh, sure. I'll just give you an example. Environmental health is not my expertise area, but vector-borne diseases would be things like Lyme disease or West Nile virus. So diseases that are communicable, but are passed on to humans via a vector. And, you know, many cases, mosquitoes and ticks are those that come to mind, but rabies is also a vector-borne disease. So we do anticipate as we have warming temperatures, the range of animals that might be part of the transmission chain for some of these diseases, those ranges will increase, which will then lead to an increase of instances or prevalence of some of these diseases like Lyme disease or West Nile. Sure. And and of course...
0: Wildfires being such an issue for us over recent years and a very severe issue when you have animals that are being displaced from their homes, no matter whether it's you know, large animals or whether it's things like ticks and, and mosquitoes and stuff, they're, they're going to come more into contact, I imagine, with people. So it could increase the odds of people suffering from those diseases, too.
1: Yes, that's actually one of the reasons why we do anticipate those increases is not just the increase in the range of the animals, but the increase in the the places where those animals are close to where people live.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. So you, the reason why
0: I knew about this part of what you're doing is because I got a great email that was very informative that talks about some information that is going to be good for people to have to be able to, to deal with the start of the fire season. And of course, even though it has been very wet recently and will continue to be for a few more days or maybe weeks, it definitely is going to turn into fire season around here. So what is it that you're doing now to start people down the path of, of really paying attention to that and
1: being ready for it? Yes. So this is a really great time to be, you know, supporting or, you know, educating the public and our communities around what they can do to be ready when the fire season does start. And so one of the big impacts of wildfires is of course the air quality. And so we've experienced in the last couple of years, long periods of time where we were seeing, you know, code red, code purple days where the air was extremely smoky and the, the, issue with that smoke in the air not just is it quite unpleasant it makes your eyes burn and it makes everything stinky but there are particulates in the wildfire smoke that can cause damage and cause respiratory problems and pe- certain populations are particularly affected by that so older adults children people who are pregnant people who already have health conditions that affect either their heart or their lungs all of these are people that can be affected by smoke particularly. So it's a it's a health risk. It's not just oh gee, this is a real drag and it's, you know, getting in the way of my plans, but rather it can cause real serious health problems. And so we're trying to just provide some information to the public around what they can do to be ready for that. And so you can kind of think about it in multiple ways, right? So what can I do to make sure that my house is is prepared, that I'm ready to make sure that I can stay safe at home. And how can I make sure that I stay safe when I'm traveling? And then if I'm visiting other places, right? So when when it comes to staying safe at home, we recognize that summer is a tricky time to try to keep the air clean, because many of us don't have air conditioning. And so you have your windows open. And so really, it's really important to, to have at least one room in your home that you can call a cleaner air space mm-hmm. and, and to either, if you do have air conditioning, purchase a, a specific HEPA filter for your air conditioning unit that will filter out those small particles, or as an alternative, or in addition to that, to buy a standalone air filter, which, you know, we often refer to as a HEPA filter. Those are devices that will actually clean the air by running it through a filtration system to remove those particles. Mm-hmm. Right.
0: And, and you mentioned, too, trying to to prepare your house. I noticed one of the things on the flyer that was sent out with your email is to create a clean room mm-hmm. where it's going to be one room that absolutely is, is going to be tried to kept, kept as clean as possible from all the currents And as you mentioned too, if a person doesn't have air conditioning, it's hot in their house. The first thing that you're prone to do is to open the windows. right? And that certainly does invite that in to your home.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, It's likely that most of us do not have homes that are so hermetically sealed that during a long period of wildfire smoke in the air, if it's code red outside for days on end, the air quality in your home is not going to be pure, even if you have all the filters in the world, right? But at least to have one room where you're trying to really keep that room closed sealed off as as much as possible keep a filtration system in there and and just avoid doing things that might also kick up pollutants into the air like vacuuming burning candles or incense even some cooking frying foods can can contribute to the the particulates in the air so just setting aside that one clean room so that in particular if you have you know a health condition that affects your ability to breathe or your heart's function that you are taking some steps so that you have somewhere you can go in your home that's cleaner, that's got cleaner air, that's safer sure. for you. Right, yeah. And and the list even mentions
0: using aerosol sprays like air fresheners mm-hmm. could, could cause some problems. So mm-hmm. yeah, it is. It's definitely a, a whole list of things that you have to think of, not just keep the window shut and try to, try to live out in, in a stifling hot home. So I like the idea, too, that if you know somebody who does have a home that's air conditioned, that you could go stay with them for a yes. day or two or some <laughs> period of time just to get away from the yeah you know, the bad air.
1: Yes. And, you know, part of the work that I'm doing in conjunction with our emergency preparedness coordinator is to support our emergency services unit, which is operates out of Deschutes Sheriff's Office and the emergency services, emergency management services, is also partnering with others across the region to ensure that during times of extreme heat and or smoke, we do have the ability to stand up cooling centers and clean air shelters. And so if, if it is truly not feasible to set up a clean air space in your own home, it is important to check with your local you know, you can you can actually get on the deschutes alerts you know sign up for deschutes alerts and then when you get those alerts you can be notified if there is a risk for high smoke if there is a risk for fires
0: yeah i i see that yeah what sign up for emergency alerts at deschutesalerts.org is something w- there where you can find out about the alerts for prescribed burns and wildfires mm-hmm. in the area so That's that's a good thing. The only thing is if a person doesn't text, there are still people who use flip phones that they don't text on. Is there any other way for people to get alerts too?
1: Yes, when you sign up for Deschutes Alerts, you can sign up for all the ways. You can get phone call, email, and text. So uh if you don't have text, you can just have a phone call. Mm -hmm, It's mm -hmm. a system that automates that process and so that will automatically create a phone call. So you don't have to receive text messages. So that would be an important step to take to make sure that you're ready for the fire season. Right. And again, that's DeschutesAlerts.org
0: that a person could go to. I notice also that there is another place that you can visit, and that is called CentralOregonFire.org. And this is information specifically about fires and protecting your health from smoke. So what about that?
1: That is an amazing website, and it is a partnership of the different agencies that respond to wildfire in the region, Mm -hmm. and when there is a fire event, they will update the, provide, you know, real-time updates to the status of the fire if there is an evacuation that affects anyone in the region. All of that information is on the Central Oregon Fire Info, and you can also text CO Fire to the number 888-777. And mm-hmm. that will sign you up for alerts to your text. It is a text alert system, but it will send you fire and prescribed burn alerts to your phone. On that website, they also have a section about smoke and your health and gives tips for minimizing smoke impacts mm-hmm. and more resources related to air quality.
0: Yes, and what's great, too, is this this website has information in Spanish, so a person can go through all of this and be able to read it in Spanish if that is more comfortable for them than the others. And I noticed, too, that your email said that all the information that you're sending out does come out in both English and Spanish, too, mm-hmm. so that's great that it's the bilingual approach to that. So if people want to find out about how they can get more
1: information, what would they do? So I would recommend a a couple of resources. Again, the centraloregonfire.org is one of the best resources for local up to the minute kind of information about regional area fires and their Mm -hmm. impacts. You can also go to Project Wildfire. The Project Wildfire website is another great resource and it was developed by our county forester as well as some other partners and and Project Wildfire includes a steering committee and they have a group of subject matter experts and and people who work in this area that provide a lot of great information for the, the, the community. The environmental health programs on the public health site has uh-huh. information about air quality, safe mm-hmm. indoor air quality, but it's not necessarily specific to smoke. But oh, Jeff okay. just built that website. And so, I, it, and it has a video. I would suggest going to, on the Deschutes County Health Services site under environmental health, there is an indoor air quality page that has a lot of great information, including a video talking about how to make your own filter fan. So for people that, you know, a standalone um, air filtration unit, those can be kind of expensive. And it's been demonstrated, they've studied this, that you can actually make a filter fan with a box fan and some filters and some tape. And it's very effective at cleaning the air. So at the very least, that's a good option if you don't have a lot of resources to spend on a HIPAA filter. Um, Another thing to keep in mind is that it is raining right now. It's not smoky. It's not even hot. Probably lots yeah. <laughs> of fans at the store and lots of air filters at the store. Yeah. Um so for people that haven't, you know, gotten their homes ready yet and aren't prepared for smoke, now is the time to go out and kind of get these materials assembled or purchased because the stores will have a run on all of their filters when July and August come and we get smoky and they can be hard. They yeah. can be really scarce. So so really, there is a reason why we're talking about this now, even though it's, you know, 65 and sure. rainy as well as, <laughs> um, you know, because of the pandemic, so many people have learned quite a bit about masks and what type of masks to wear and we recommend for the particulates in the air that you really do need an N95 there was during oh, okay. the pandemic people were we were also recommending that you could use a KN95 huh? and that has been removed from the list of approved masks for PM2.5 and the reason for that oh. is that they are better than a just a standard you know, medical mask, but really the Uh N95 is is much more effective than a KN95. And because the Uh supply issues with those have been largely mitigated, it, it is probably much easier for people to find N95s. And we recommend that they do use those N95 respirators as opposed to just a, you know, a cloth mask or a medical mask which really don't do anything to get those particulates, those tiny particles out of the air. With so
0: many people having suffered pretty serious economic losses during COVID, are there any financial help situations set up for people to be able to do some of these things to protect themselves against the bad effects, wildfires and all the smoke and particulates that come with that?
1: Well, a lot of what our efforts are going into right now that I'm aware of and that I'm supporting are, you know, really making sure that as a community, we're prepared to stand up cooling shelters and clean air shelters and provide those and, you know, ensure that they are safe, clean places and accessible for people who are vulnerable and unable to you know, shelter in place at home. In partnership with others at health services and others in the community, we are exploring different grant opportunities to where we would ideally be able to provide some of these resources for community members, but we don't have, we don't have that set up at this time.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, because this is, uh, I think, something that is going to become a way of life for us as long as the drought persists and there's just so much fuel out there. It's like you and I were talking before. Actually, we even started the interview. All this rain has caused so much wonderful stuff to pop up out of the ground and be green, but it's not as long it's going to be dry and dead, and then it will certainly be fire fuel. Yep. Okay, well, Sarah, it's been great to get to visit with you today and to find out more about this. I'm interested in staying in contact as we can to make sure that we get the word out to people and particularly once it gets nearer, remind them those important things that they can do preemptively and to be prepared for it rather than finding themselves scrambling at the last minute.
1: Absolutely. Likewise.
0: Thanks for listening to this KPOV podcast. KPOV is community radio for the high desert of Central Oregon. For more information and our program schedule, go to kpov.org. We value your feedback. Drop us a note at podcast at kpov.org.